Welcome to the Be Still My Soul podcast. This is Pastor Ray Brandon. We are in Unit 18, Session 3 of the Gospel Project, looking at Nehemiah Chapter 9. And I want to talk a little more today about the change process in Nehemiah Chapter 9. You see, the change process, when we think about a change, and we think about what happens in Scripture, and Scripture is effective to bring about change into our lives. Um, it is an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, when we, we get into Scripture. And so don't discount that. Sometimes uh, we are so far away from the words of Scripture, the Word of God, uh, that we're oftentimes looking for something for our lives, for our family, other than Scripture. Um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a danger if you are familiar to the church, that you get too familiar in an unfamiliar way with scripture and and then we're not in in truly engaged with the word of god for if we believe what paul instructs timothy um, as he writes to him in his epistles it is the word of god that is useful the divinely inspired the god-breathed word of god that rebukes us that brings correction to us that teaches us and that trains us in righteousness so that men and women in the church might be completely, thoroughly, through and through, equipped for every good work. There is nothing outside Scripture. And so as parents, as you're raising your children, um, you need to give them the Word of God. But how does the Word of God, how is that given? Um, how does it come powerfully? It comes powerfully to your children and the people around you, um, not simply because you know it, um, not because you have been in the Christian tradition, um, not because you have a, a heritage that um, has been attending church for um, one or two or multiple generations. The, the Word of God becomes the living Word of God as you live it, as it becomes real and People around you will see that. People around you will pick up on that when it's real in, in your life. It, the same thing goes for the groups that you're in. And um, speaking to our, our small group, I think one of the dangers of a small group is that it becomes a Bible-centered social group. And there's a fine line there because we can really, we can be all about God's Word and yet never allow God's word to have an effect on us. How does that happen? Well, it happens when we do not engage in the change process. We're, we're simply, um, the, the word of God is simply an accoutrement to our, to our life and our lifestyle. This is not the case in Nehemiah chapter 9. Uh, what the Israelites th realize is that they are in a difficult and deep situation. If you look down at the last part of the chapter, it says, verse 36, Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave our fathers to enjoy its fruits and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. And they're, they're crying out to God. This is, this is where the change process begins in chapter 9 of Nehemiah. It's actually what he prayed for in the first chapter 
Um, which if we can go back there and just comment on that, that prayer in the first chapter, uh, this amazing prayer is uh, richly theological um, because Nehemiah is recognizing, he, he, sa- he says this, he gets it right when he says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. You see, the covenant that God had with his people is conditional. It's conditional on their obedience. And he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel. And so he confesses their sins. And then he says in verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. That's exactly what happened. They were scattered. Um, They were living disconnected. But then verse 9, he says, But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. So God guarantees his covenant by his faithfulness. Uh, he, he says as well, if we are obedient to him, that um, he will continue to be faithful. If we are not obedient to him, then something happens. His people are scattered. But notice that it is the faithfulness of God. God is always faithful to his covenant. Um, but his people are con- the part of the covenant is, is conditional because his people are not always faithful. However, who is it that brings them back and gives restoration? It's God. Um, God's saying, if you're faithful in obedience, I will bring you back. And that's where the, the, the prayer ends because he's reminding God. He says, oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servant's who delight to fear your name and give success to your servants this day. Grant him mercy in the sight of man. In other words, don't give me what I deserve, but rather um, withhold your your judgment, what I deserve. Give me mercy. Um, Be merciful. And what we see is that God is merciful. He brings his people to an understanding of their condition. And we see that in in chapter 9. Um, so it, it's in, in that condition is a confession of sin. It's a confession of sin, and it's a profession of who God is. Verse 6, you alone, Lord, are God. You are the Lord alone. And it recounts the story of God's faithfulness and Israel's unfaithfulness. But then is the regathering, the last part of the chapter. Because of all this, we will make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document on the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. They are committing to something. They're committing to the change process. They're saying we are ready to obey. We're ready to follow. We had this discussion um, in our small group, and let me illustrate it this way. In one of our um, 
uh, one of our girls in our in the small group um, just just shared a little bit. I don't think I'm I'm sharing too much because uh, um, or sharing something personal. I think it's a great illustration because basically um, uh, she talked about encouragement and how she needed encouragement, but she did it the right way. It, um, it, she was engaged in the change process by saying, I, I needed encouragement. Um, some people will say, oh, I need encouragement. I need encouragement to get to church. I need encouragement to become a church member. I need encouragement to do this. I need encouragement to stay in the Word of God. I need accountability for this. What they're actually saying is, I need somebody else to do it for me. Because no matter how much encouragement you give them, it's not going to be enough. In fact, um, you can encourage them and encourage them and encourage them, but that very thing of encouragement becomes an excuse. It, it's just an endless, it's an endless pit. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't encourage people even if they, they are not um, obedient and don't move forward. Actually, we should. We should be patient and loving and kind and continue to encourage. But we do have to be wise as well and recognize that, um, that a person like that is actually not engaging the change process. They want something else to happen, but they don't actually want to be obedient. However, um, this this uh, um, member in our in our small group was not saying that. Um, she she was just simply stating how she needs encouragement. But as she as the story unfolded, she recounted how she needs encouragement, but she engaged and she did, and then she went on to tell about how God was blessing and what God was doing because she was engaged in the change process. So there's real responsibility that we have before God to be obedient and to be engaged in the change process. If we're not, um, if we're not, we, we will live this veneer of unsatisfied Christian life with ourselves, I, I believe with people around us um, as well because we're expecting change to happen without really being willing to do the work of obedience over time that God's word calls us to, to see the change that God brings about. And just know, if you go back to that first chapter, how does this change take place? Well, God's faithful on the front end, and when we respond to his faithfulness in obedience, the change happens through God on the back end. That's the amazing story of Scripture, is that it's God rewarding His grace. Um, you and I engaging with that change process is nothing less than seeing God's grace move in our life. But the Bible holds us to real responsibility with that. So I pray today um, for you, uh, for your family, um, for your children and their children's children, um, that you will live uh, a life where your story will unfold, and there's going to be times, like we see in Nehemiah, where things are difficult, um, where our spirituality goes off the tracks. Um, but just know that God is faithful, and God will bring us back, and if we are willing, by His grace, to engage in that change process, God will be faithful. He always is. He's faithful to forgive. He is merciful he is wonderful. May you be blessed by God and God's word.